Welcome to The Storytellers, the radio show and podcast that features those who choose to leave their mark on the world through the art of story. I'm your host, Grace Salmon. I look forward to our time together today. Now, let's meet our storyteller. Mandy Haynes spent hours on bar stools and riding in vans, listening to outrageous tales from some of the best songwriters and storytellers in Nashville, Tennessee. She gave all of that up, as well as a very stressful career as a, as a pediatric cardiac sonographer for a happy one living in Fernanda Beach, Florida, with her three dogs, her one turtle, as an author, publisher, and editor. Mandy Head's well-read magazine, one of the fastest growing online magazines focused on readers and writers. She writes amazing literary fiction with a Southern drawl. Her two award-winning short story collections, Walking the Wrong Way Home and Sharp as a Serpent's Tooth, will make you fall in love with short stories all over again, as will her award-winning novella, Oliver. And as if that's not enough, when Mandy's not doing all of those other amazing things, she heads Three Dog Night Press, where she runs her own publishing company. Mandy, I could not be more excited to have you at the Storyteller Microphone. Oh, thank you, Grace. I'm so excited to be here. Mandy, one of the things I love to talk about on The Storytellers is the transformation that so many of us go through. You've gone from hanging out on bar stools and in vans to this medical career. And then there was this transformation to the power of storytelling. Why that and when and why? So about six years ago, I um, had my first short story collection almost ready to go out. And I was searching for endorsements. And I reached out to this um, well-established author um, who I'd you know, so excited that he was going to read my stories and, and give me an endorsement. And I thought that, you know, that was going to be it. But when he answered my email, he gave me his phone number and said to call him. And he said, you know, your stories are good, but they could be great. If you just took a little more time and you worked on them a little bit more, uh, you know, you're worth it. Your writing's worth it. And that just put that bug in my ear, you know, and just lit a fire. And I thought, I've been working at Vanderbilt for 26 years. Um, the, the storyteller, the songwriters and stuff, that was my third husband. We were divorced. My husband had graduated college. I, I didn't have any responsibilities. Um, and I just kept hearing, if you could work more on your writing, it would be worth it. You know, it could be great. Um, so I quit my job, sold my house, and gave everything away. And I thought, I'm going to write. Whatever happens is going to happen. Um. <laughs> well, it, that's an amazing story to be able to follow your passion that way. And it's always amazing to me how a door opens when you think something else is closing. I don't think in the moment we know that. But when you write, you do write, every sentence sparkles. I have a author friend who says the difference between literary fiction and fiction is every sentence has to sparkle. So how many iterations do you go through normally when you write? Oh, wow. Um, it's funny because I usually do all the work before it ever comes on the page. 
if that makes sense. I mean, then of course there are more, you know, edits after that, but I think the story through before I ever write, like I love to get in my characters heads and see where they are and daydream a lot, you know, um, watch people and think that, that person reminds me of this character. And, you know, so I kind of work it, have most of the edits and everything worked out before I ever put it on the paper. Wow, that's amazing because I, I have friends, as you do, who go through iteration after iteration. I tend to work similarly to you in that I think about it a lot. And that gives me great comfort sometimes if I'm not writing. I think, well, at least I'm thinking about it. Yeah, you're still writing. You're just not writing, <laughs> but it's still still working. So I'm fascinated because I really never thought about Southern fiction before. How do you define Southern fiction? Well, you know, it's funny because the first, when people would say, you're such a great Southern fiction author, and it's like, well, that's all I know. You know, I was born and raised in Middle Tennessee, and even though I moved out of my little town, I never really left Middle Tennessee. So the South is all I know, and Southern authors, even though there are a lot of other great authors that I've read that I really like, it's those Southern ones. It's that... Um, Oh my gosh, just there, it just seems so real. Like everything from the sense of place to whatever predicament that um, characters are going through, it just seems so honest and raw to me. I think that's a very good description. For me, I think it's, it's what the author suggested to you. I think it's something about taking the time to tell the story. That it's not, you know, they got in the car and they ran, they popped out at the store. It's the, all the nuances and the time to tell the story. Do you think that's part of it? I do think that's part of it. Because uh, Southern storytellers, oh my gosh, you know, they can spend an hour making you laugh about their trip to the store. Not mm -hmm. actually going to the store or who they saw, but just the trip to the store. Um, yeah, so I do think that's the Southern thing. So tell us a little bit about your novella. For me, Oliver was, and I, I, I'm just going to give you the accolade, it was to kill a mockingbird worthy. I did, my only criticism of your story, uh, your novella was, it was a novella and not a novel. I wanted more. So tell our listeners and our viewers about Oliver. Oh, gosh. I'll I love this story so much. So it's a short story that I'd written a long time ago, um, but it kept getting bigger. You know, I thought it was going to go in the first collection, um, but Olivia is the narrator, Oliver's sister, his younger sister. Um, and it's told in her voice. She's, she told me, wait, <laughs> like she wanted Oliver to be a novel. So I thought maybe he would be a novel, um, but then a novella worked out. So it's a story about, it's set in 1972, which is one of my favorite. Like I was born in 69, but I love that. I love the 70s and the like my babysitters, you know, I loved watching them and hearing their stories and stuff when I was younger. But um, two siblings, Oliver is 15, Olivia's 11. Um, and one summer they do like get into some shenanigans where they pull nice pranks and Oliver likes it because he likes helping people 
Olivia likes it because she gets to sneak out at night and nose around and get in a little bit of trouble. That's, you know, not trouble, but to her, you know, it's exciting. Um, it, it is just the sweetest thing. And then they run into a, a man who needs a little more help than they were expecting. And that's when they have to make a decision, leave it alone or, or continue what they're doing. And Oliver just cannot, can't, can't leave him. Um, he, he wants to help them. So. It, it's such a great, it's such a great story. One of the things I wonder about is in reading your work, you opened for me both in Oliver and in your short story collections, a love of short story. I um, hadn't read short stories probably since eighth grade when I was having to read everything Edgar Allan Poe wrote. And then when I read yours, I went, oh, I do love short stories, but why short stories rather than full blown for you? Well, the first short short story, of the, okay, so I was working on a novel years ago, and I um, joined this little writer's group in Lebanon, Tennessee, and one of the members was an English professor. He taught creative writing at um, Ball State University. Well, he took one of the chapters from the novel I was working on, which is in first draft, and that's my next project still. <laughs> I hadn't forgotten about it, but it won first place in this big competition. Um, and man, I was hooked. I mean, who wouldn't be? You know, that was the first yeah. thing. So, um, and I have so many ideas. And I do. Every, almost every story in both collections, I would love to at one point turn into a novel, you know, pick it back up and flesh it out. And um, But short stories to me, it's like you can... Oh my God. I mean, if I, you know, 16, how many novels would that be? You know, it's, it's, it wouldn't be possible. <laughs> well, I think there is something to that as a genre now. It, it was not a go-to. One of the things I love about being here on The Storytellers is I experience genres that I wouldn't normally. Uh, I'll read science fiction, which is something that I would have totally veered away from and now totally appreciate. You know, when you can get me to believe that the cat talks and I'm totally in the story, <laughs> that I think is just great storytelling, which is what I, I like to capture here. But I also think there's a power of not only an enjoyment factor, I can sit down and read one or two of your short stories and feel very satisfied, but there's also this ability, even though we were talking earlier about Southern fiction can draw things out, there's an ability to say in a short amount of pages, a very magical story. Well, it is powerful. So I have a lot of friends that are songwriters, you know, and um, I mean, they make their living, right? You know, that's what they do. And um, a couple of them were like, Mandy, we need to write some songs together, which I would have loved it. But, you know, that's, that is a whole different thing. And that's not my thing. And then short stories, I don't know, maybe just the influence from all my friends I had that, you know, would write a story in three minutes, you know. Um, I don't know. But the short stories are so fun because a lot of my friends traveled a lot, you know, and um, they were so excited. Every time I'd write a short story, they'd want one because they said, I can finish it while I'm waiting on the plane or on the plane or, you know, after a show at night, you know, and I'm not thinking, dang, I want to finish this novel, but I can't, you know, I don't have yeah. time. Well, I, I thank you for reawakening my love for short stories. Let's talk about Well Read Magazine and the breadth of your publishing 
business. It, it's astonishing to me. Let's go with <laughs> Well Read first. Well, okay, so Well Read Magazine is the coolest thing I've ever thought of. Like, I, sometimes you just have these ideas and they work. Um, I, well, so when I came here, you know, when I left my job in medical and I wanted to write, well, I, you know, I got my first collection out and then I wrote my second collection right when pandemic hit. And I had worked as a cook in retail, as a bookseller. I even worked with a little small construction company and put up a fence, like just trying to make ends meet. And when the pandemic hit, I was offered a job as a freelance writer for Amelia Islander. And so all of this stuff is going on in my mind. Like I did all the interior formatting for my two collections and then the novella that came later. And I just thought, how can I use this to help us as authors, right? And that's how the magazine was formed. I, you know, I thought, what a fun way for what an author would pay for a Facebook ad or a Google ad. You could get a full page in a professional, fun, creative magazine. So, well, well, I find it amazing because of the number of clicks, you know, as, as we judge online magazines, the number of clicks, et cetera. But you go so far beyond that. It's not just, you know, the issue I think uh, airs usually the first of every month. You then promote authors throughout the entire month. Oh, well, I thought, well, I've got the pages. So once I, when I pull those beautiful book covers, it's just so fun because I'm in your website, right? So if you, have a thing. I get to know everybody. Um, so then I, I make a quick graphic of the books, which those have really turned into more, um, just the more I play around. So yeah, I thought, well, I'll just do a Instagram page and a, you know, for the magazine. And if I have this already, well, we'll just use, I'll just use it, you know, just um, post it and share as much as I can. So the whole idea is to promote authors, right? And promote myself, right? Because my books are in there too. I mean, it's wonderful. It's like, it just keeps growing and growing. Um, so yeah, I, I really enjoy it. Well, it's a great place for people to also find um, book club books and other books that, you know, they might want a speaker to come or something along those lines. So I, I always look forward to it because I, I want to see who's publishing what and who's out there doing what. So, yeah, I just started a new thing, making connections. So different things that authors can use to like book tours. And um, there's the pie lady, uh, Stephanie Hockersmith, that makes the pies to do your covers. And she was on Good Morning America. So it's like fun things and making it fun instead of just being an ad. Well, it's a little story about who they are, what they do. And if authors want to, you know, contact them, there's the contact information right there. Just click and you're right there. And all yeah, the essays, like Lee Zach oh, Lee Zacharias um, Interrupted, that's in this month's issue, is such a great essay. So it's, I'm ex it's just growing. I actually have a four-month deal with um, William Gay's, um, the uh, Team Gay, the, all the guys that are working and gals that are working on all his... Um, God, his body of work and his history. We're September's part one of a four-part series on William Gay. So I'm so excited to share that. How do people find out about Well Read Magazine? How can they subscribe? Well, you can just go to the website, well, wellreadmagazine.com. And it's so easy. It's all transparent. If anybody would like to, you know, an author, 
it's all there. You can just find it and you can if you're a reader and you want to subscribe and never miss an issue i'll just add you to the list awesome now let's go into your publishing business because i had this fantasy about a year and a half ago that i was going to start a publishing house that was a really bad fantasy so i'm always impressed by um people women who have this body of work author editor publisher can you tell me a little bit more about how three dog works for you Oh, well, I started Three Dogs Right Press because I published my first, the first collection. I had small, like independent presses, but short stories are just hard to, to do. And the contracts really, you know, they just weren't what I was looking for. And I thought, well, I'll just do it myself. So that's why I started Three Dogs Right Press, right? So my books would have a publishing company's name. Um, and then with that, I've made like, um, oh my gosh, River Jordan, this beautiful uh -huh. collection of short stories. So Three Dogs Right Press, I set it all up for, I did the cover, interior formatting, I've, um, all the design. So it turned into that. So I'm not actually a public, like I don't publish other people's work, but I'm the middleman. I can get you set up, whatever you need, walk you through Ingram, um, you know, up to, if you wanted to use ingram um as your distributor or amazon or whatever but i can get your covers done and your formatting done edits um anything you want and do you yeah. sleep i i nap <laughs> i'm a napper <laughs> Mandy, you know, you, you talked about coming um, and selling everything and putting, having a hard time to put ends to meet, if you will. I find it amazing how many of us as authors have so many other careers. Um, part of it is obviously to make ends meet. But why do you think that we're, so many of us are juggling so many things? Because we're creative people. And we, um, we don't get bored. We don't get bored. We find something to do. And it's it, no matter what it is. Like I also sell textile art. I sell jewelry to pay for my son's books and room and board when he was in college. So he didn't have, he had no, he, no, he graduated four and a half years and no student loans from UT Knoxville. So um, I think it's just because we, like we had said before, you know, you, you don't have to be putting the stories down on the paper to be writing. So when we're juggling and doing all these creative things, like all the stuff that you do, Grace, it is all behind writing. It's all supporting, it's authors, it's storytelling, it's, gosh, the publishing business, all the stuff that you do. It is, it's all works together. Well, and I think that's one of the things I've enjoyed the most uh, in the last two years. And it's probably a surprise to most of us, given that there's a pandemic. You and I have never met. You and I have never spoken on the phone, I don't think. Um, but the sense of community and, you know, by and large, almost everyone believes in lifting each other up, that it's, this is not a competition sport. This is we are all better if we support each other. And our lives are so much richer. That is so true. There's so many great groups out there, like Bookish Road Trip, um, Books Live Forever, you know, it's like yes, they were yes. a great group. Uh, Reading Corner, Jacob Marquez, what a golly, he's such a, he's the sweetest guy. And he, he's not an author. You know, it's funny because these other groups, it's like authors that got together to do that and then just keep building and growing and holding their way up. 
Jacob just loves to read and he loves books. And then, and then, you know, just what a great supporter he is. He's fantastic. That's one of the things I recommend right away to authors to find a, a Facebook home or in, I find Facebook and it could be my age, uh, more of a homey place than Instagram. You know, there's more for me, at least there's far more interaction, but that's one of the first things, you know, find a bookish road trip or some of the other groups that you mentioned, because there is a synergy that uplifts us all as authors, but also connects us to great readers and to great writers. So yeah. um, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned some of those. Uh, Mandy, how can people find out more about you, your, your work? Well, on my website, I think everything's up there. So just mandyhaines.com, pretty easy to find. Um, I don't even know what my Facebook handle is. It's just, you can find, I'm, I'm all over the place. <laughs> you, you are indeed. Do we have more writing coming out soon, I hope? So that is exciting. So I am, I think, 16 chapters down. I think the last, I had it up yesterday, I actually wrote um, yesterday on that novel that has been in the works for maybe 17 years or longer with the new tongue spoken. So um, that's, I'm working hard on that. That's going to be my next thing. I, I've got to get a novel out because I would like to try the traditional, just see what happens. You know, who knows? Well, if I'm if I'm lucky enough to be able to get an arc of your work, it would be a delight to uh, read either as you go or when you finish up. Mandy Haynes, thank you for being with me today. Oh my gosh, thanks for having me. I love I love this what you're doing, and I'm just really happy to be a part of it. Thank you. Thank you, Mandy. This has been a copyrighted episode of The Storytellers by Grace Salmon and Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Thanks for being with us. That concludes this episode of The Storytellers. I'm so glad you could be part of the story today. I hope you share the stories, tell your own, and come back for another episode. Because when our stories are told, everything changes. I'm Grace Salmon.